I had a little bit of a, a patch where I couldn't not get in trouble and it was self-inflicted. No one else made me do silly things, but I did them and I lived with them. It knocked me a fair bit, but yeah, it's when you realise you're kind of letting other people down. That's when I realised I've got to sort my life out. You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, O2 Inside Line, and I'm Danny Kerr. I'm Danny Kerr, and I play for Harlequins in England Rugby. So I play scrum half, number nine, generally the smallest person on the pitch, but you get to touch the ball the most, which is why I like it. You get to boss around all the big forwards and then hide behind them when, when it all kicks off. It's a nice position to be in. You have to energise people. You have to get them going. They have to do things that you want them to do. You have to make the forwards do some horrible things. So they have to believe in your voice. I think you've got to have a bit of a cheeky edge. I do feel like as a scrum half, you've got to back yourself. And then I'd say your core skills, your passing and your kicking have to be on the money. I was always little. But I always had a smile on my face. I think I always maybe had a little bit of a, a chip on my shoulder that I had to fight above my weight, punch above my weight a little bit. I had an older brother, Simon, who was two years older, who was blessed with the tall gene, tall, good-looking, smart. I wasn't any of those three, annoyingly. But, uh, yeah, I always looked up to him. I kind of wanted to, to be as fast, as strong, as quick as him. So I was always kind of punching above my weight. I was a happy kid, very happy kid, uh, very lucky to have two parents that loved us to bits and gave us everything we needed to do whatever we wanted to do. Drove me to every sport and event I could have or gave us opportunities to, to explore anything we wanted. Um, my first love was football. I preferred football to, to rugby, but like my rugby as well. My brother preferred rugby, so we kind of switched over at some point. But as a kid, yeah, very happy. Pushed the brownies a little bit, I'd say, a bit cheeky. But yeah, I had a very, very fun childhood. So I grew up in Leeds, Yorkshire, a little village called Adel, which was, you know, a really beautiful place to, to grow up in. Plenty of things to do outdoors. Me and my brother wanted to be outdoors all the time. And then my sister came along similar. So my brother Simon, who is two years older, and my sister Samantha, who is seven years younger than me. We'd be outside all the time. My earliest memories are just playing football in the garden with my, with my dad and my brother, playing cricket. Adel Stadium, we used to call it, in the back garden. I liked rugby, but I preferred football. I didn't think you could emulate the feeling of scoring a goal in, in rugby when you were younger. Obviously, I grew, I grew to love rugby a bit more when I was older, but at that time, it was it was football, football, football. A guy called Colin Morris had like his own academy system and always maybe play with older kids because he, he thought it would be the, the best thing for me. So I think that that's helped me a lot in my career, again, trying to tackle the big lads and, and punching above my weight. So as a footballer, I I love playing up front. I love scoring goals. I love the ball over the top to beat one of the slower defenders and then nip in there for a little goal. I wasn't very good at tackling, so I made, I made a lot of fouls. My dad booked me once because he was a referee. He actually had to book his own son once. But yeah, I was probably a bit of a nippy, feisty centre forward was my favourite position. So through this academy system with Colin Morris, he had some good contacts with other 
football clubs in Sheffield Wednesday. The academy manager there is a guy called Clive Baker. Sadly, isn't with us anymore, but got me a trial down there to go and play for Sheffield Wednesday. I went down there, signed me straight away, and I played there for three and a half years in the same team as Jamie Vardy, which is which is quite amazing. Amazing to see what he's done with his with his career. Tended to be on the bench a fair bit, get 20 minutes here and there. And at that stage, I just wanted to play football. I remember we played Man United at home. We lost 2-0. First game I ever didn't get put on for. And I remember walking off to my dad and saying, I don't want to be here. I just want to go and play with my mates. Luckily, I was still playing rugby at the time for school. And then the lads kept saying to me, come to play for Otley. We're going on a lads and dads tour to Dublin. Home, I reckon you'll enjoy it. And I kept saying, no, I'm going to be a footballer, I'm going to be a footballer. And then in the end, I went, OK, we'll go to Dublin. I went and played in Dublin, played some games, had a couple of beers with the dads after. And I was like, this this might be a bit of me. I enjoyed that. So without that trip, I don't know whether if, if I'd have ever taken rugby properly seriously, but I did. I loved it. I loved the camaraderie. I loved everything that came with it. So then I stuck with it and didn't look back. I do feel that me having a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about being told I was too small to play football made me go, all right, I'll show you that I can do it in rugby because surely it's harder in rugby because the lads are twice the size. I feel like the, a lot of the skills are very transferable. Definitely feel like me playing a lot of football and cricket when I was growing up has helped me in my rugby career. And that's what I'm so grateful for my mum and dad for opening up as many sporting opportunities as they could because I think you can relate to it, to it all. So one trait I'd like to think I've got is, is a bit of resilience with a few setbacks and knockbacks and having to kind of fight against people that are bigger than you. So uh, hopefully that's, that's helped me in my career. Luckily, my school, being a rugby school, wasn't a posh school and any, any stretch of the imagination, but we had a good rugby team and some tough lads that we used to like to go and play the posh schools, to play the private schools, because some of our hard lads just wanted to, <laughs> wanted to fight, really, which was funny. But yeah, we'd go and try and mix it with them. And again, probably a bit of a, a point to prove we weren't you know, a silver plate school. We had to work hard. And I always said I'd never send my kids to private school. And I had kids and they're at private school. So it's, it's one of those. I think playing rugby with those lads, it was always a kind of backs against the wall type thing, which I've always kind of liked. The underdog, I'd say. And yeah, from the school, being a great rugby school, gave me opportunities to play for England under-16s. went to those, those trials and I think there's only myself and a couple, two other kids that were from state schools at the time, which again, I was quite proud of. And then playing for them, that gives you the taste of then, remember England under-16s, they'll show you clips of a video of, you know, there was a picture of 30 kids sat wearing an England under-16 shirt and then you see them playing for England. I think it was Ian Bolshaw and Lewis Moody and those type of players. And they say, the similarity you have with them is they were all sat where you are now. And then you go, wow, okay, this this could be real. And then I'd never thought that five years later I'd have been playing for the main England team, but somehow I was somehow still here now. Care, this is what he does. Danny he's Care. He's all the way, scored. This is why he's been picked to start for England. Outstanding, outstanding. Just saw the gap, heads up rugby. My name is Peter Latham and my relationship with Danny now is a great friend. Previously, he's rugby coach at his secondary school. As a young student, Danny was full of beans. 
no different to the way he is now. He seemed to revel in a team environment. He had a, a great willingness to show the world his sporting ability. He was very keen to learn, incredibly well liked by his peers and his friends who he'd played junior rugby with. His obvious natural ability and natural talent developed very quickly. And at that point, he was picked up by the England uh, Academy setup under Stuart Lancaster at Leeds Tykes in those days and um, onwards and upwards. He's just a, a top lad with great passion for life and, and for the game. Great family man now, of course. The, the time he gives back to his school in all sorts of ways is, is hugely respected and uh, gratefully received. And the first time I met, I met Lanny, I was scared of him. I generally was scared of him. He was like a head teacher. And like I say, he, I could tell he didn't really like me to start with, which was which was great. And then I actually got picked for England in the 16s and then he came back with a contract offer for Leeds. So that was nice. But I remember Stuart would go out of his way to help me out. He was hard on me, which I think I needed. The amount of times he'd take me out of the bag of balls. He'd soak the, the balls because he would say anyone could pass a dry ball past this with fairy liquid on and loads of water and because he said you're going to if you're going to be playing in England you're going to be playing in a lot of rain so get used to this but the time that he would spend to one on one do that with me he'd also make sure I was doing my schoolwork made sure I got my GCSEs and my A levels done he was a great academy manager worked really hard to to make sure you were a, a good player but also a good person I think that was his big thing I loved playing for my local club, playing for Leeds. When I got my first team contract offer, was it was one of the best days of my life to get that. I still lived at home that first that first year out of school, which was great. And then got a bit of first team experience, learning under Justin Marshall, which was which was incredible. Played a handful of games for Leeds, and then I think there was four or five of us on the same contract. And towards the end of the season, one of the lads said, "You know, we've got a relegation release in our contract." which I didn't, I'd never even looked at it. When Leeds did get relegated, then I had a decision to make. Leeds tried to make, offered me to stay, offered me a good, really good deal to stay. But because I'd had a bit of premiership, the feel for the premiership, I thought I could hack it in there. I wanted to play in the premiership. I had an opportunity to leave. I went and saw three clubs, went and saw Northampton, Saracens with Eddie Jones and Harlequins was the last trip. And I remember after meeting Dean Richards and Andy Friend and John Kingston at Harlequins, I walked out and just said to my agent, it doesn't matter about the other the other offers, that's the club I need to be at. They'd painted a vision of the club and had me kind of trying to lead the way with them. I felt like they'd been looking at me for a while and they, they knew what they wanted. And I just fell in love with the club when I went down and met them. It was a really tough decision to lead Leeds, but at the same time, a really easy one to... Because I knew what, where, where, where I wanted to go, where my heart was set. I had some good mates down there. David Strettler, who I'd been playing with in England Sevens at the time, had also signed for them. So yeah, signed there and still going. Danny Care, Care for the line, and England strike again. Well, Wales are down to fourteen. I'm David Strettle, teammate of Danny Kerr's at England Sevens, Harlequins and England. Me and Danny first met 
uh, when we were playing England Sevens, we got picked for the team to go and do a five-week tour, but we just clicked to the friendship. It was like two Northern Peas in a pod. Danny was just a fun lad. You know, he uh, was always up for a good laugh. Everyone liked him. The kind of lad who, you know, everyone wants to be mates with. And then, obviously, on, on the rugby pitch, you could see at 18 how, how much of a talent he was. Danny's, uh, like most backs, is a failed footballer. So he's um, got lots of skills. You know, he's got a great kicking game. He's obviously fast off the mark. He's always eager to break the line. He's not necessarily a, a scrum half who just wants to play percentages. He's always looking to see if there's a gap in the defence, which... I mean, you can see for years what he's done at Harlequins and what he does at England. I think um, just his skill base is what has given him such longevity. He's not scared of failure. You know, he'll always try something. He's very competitive, but in a nice way. I don't, it sounds strange. It's, there's some players have desires to win. With Danny, he's got a desire to have an impact on the game. You know, he wants to do something. He wants to show his skill base. You know, there's not many nines. He's got the, the record try he's got. I think what makes me most proud of Danny is he's had so many knockbacks. He's had injuries. You know, and he's still there. He's, he's a player. I think if anyone, you know, has been lucky enough to play with him, they know how good a player he is. But it, it takes something other than just being a good player to, to stick around as long as he's stuck around and, you know, to still be playing at the very top level. I always remember mum and dad, like, driving me down. And it was kind of like I was leaving for uni because I hadn't had that uni feeling. I'd seen them do it with my brother. And I remember going down there and I had like all these board games and all this sort of stuff. And I remember David Stretter looking at me like, what are you doing? Because I was still I was still quite young, probably quite quite wet behind the ears, naive, Leeds lad, bit of a mummy's boy, moved down to London. And yeah, the first year it was tough because I wasn't I didn't play an awful lot. I thought I was gonna play, I didn't play, which was tough. And then I missed home a lot more after the first year, got into the groove. And then London had me then. We used to do Infernos a, a fair bit, but then every now and then we'd, the four of us, so Ugo, David Strettel, myself and Jordan Turner Hall, we'd, we'd go to like a, a nice place. But I'll never forget one night where we, it was like the end of the night, it was, we'd done all the classic bottles and the champagne service and all that sort of stuff, and then we had to go. And David Strettel, I think, had had a boot on because he'd broken his foot, but he's doing the running man on the stage. And then we couldn't find him at the end, trying to leave. And he, um, there was like a fountain, there was a fountain in the middle of this nightclub for some reason. And he's in this fountain dancing top off in the middle of London. I remember looking at him thinking he's, he's in, like he's in the London lifestyle. I can be, a, I'm a part of this now. So yeah, that would be one of the, the tamer stories I can probably say. I had a little bit of a, a patch where I couldn't not get in trouble. And it, when I look back at it now, I was stupid because everyone always you used to say, just keep your head down. But I, I was one of those people that I, could, I, I couldn't, if I was out, I was out. I was young, playing for Harlequins, playing for England, um, earning good money. A lot of us were in a similar boat, so we had time. That's what you as well you have as a rugby player. You do have time to go and enjoy yourselves. and. I definitely took that to the to the extreme. And yeah, I made mistakes. I, I'm the first one to put my hand up and it was self-inflicted. No one else made me do silly things, but I did them and I lived with them. It knocked me a fair bit because Stuart 
when he got the England job, took away the thing I love the most, which is to play rugby and, and play for England. And when that gets taken away from you, I had to have a good look at myself. I realised what, what I was hurting me, but I was also hurting the people around me, my mum and dad. I got arrested for, for urinating in the street, which obviously... <laughs> Everybody has maybe has done at some point. I stupidly did it where I thought it was in a private space. It wasn't. And then I'll never forget my dad picking me up from the police station in the morning and just the look of, you know, and it's, it's not anger. Like he was just so disappointed. And my mum the same. Could hardly look him in the eye. And I know it sounds quite like I'm, I'm making a joke out of it, but I'm not. It's when you realise you're kind of letting other people down. That's when I realised I've got to sort my life out. I knew that I'd let a lot of people down. I knew I'd lost a lot of respect and trust from a lot of people. Like I say, my parents, my coaches, England coaches. Connor O'Shea was my director of rugby at Harlequins, who was a bit like a second dad down here to me. But he'd stick up for me every time, which, again, so grateful for. If I wanted to be a successful rugby player and play for England, then I realised I had to sort my, my, my life out. So, so I did. I focused on my rugby. I didn't stop going out. I didn't want to not be myself and I'm, me as myself as I'm quite sociable I need to be around people I just made sure that I made better decisions it was a, a lot of self-reflecting but then also I had to action it I had to live by it took a lot of heat wherever you go and play but that's kind of deserved and I realized it will take a long time to change people's perceptions of me and hopefully I've done that got three kids now, but my oldest kid, Blake, he can Google stuff, which uh, is, I don't know yet whether he's Googled everything about me. Luckily, there's a few things have happened since all that stuff that I don't know if he's seen, he's seen the bad stuff. I hope it's buried deep. Obviously, everyone has a past, but when it's your kids that could read that stuff about you, it's not nice. Meeting my wife's the best thing I ever, I ever did. My wife, Jodie, I met 10 years ago in Thailand. And the three kids are the proudest things I've, I've ever done in my life. And all I've ever done since meeting her and, and having the kids is just wanting to be a good person, be a good role model, be a good dad to them. Going back to the start when my mum and dad were the best parents I could imagine having, uh, all I wanted to do was be like them if I ever had kids. So I think all that sort of stuff rolled up. You just want to be a good person, wherever it is. They don't care if I'm a rugby player. They just want me to be a to be a good dad, and I think since having kids has given me the best perspective on on life in general. Because don't worry about the little things so much, and it's not about me; it's about trying to provide for them. So I think that helps me be a be a better person. My name's Ollie Lawrence. I play for Bath and England Rugby. Danny Kerr, I would describe as somebody that is able to captivate a group. Um, he's really good at like bringing a bundle of energy um, to a group. And on the field, I think he's, he's one of those players where he's got so much experience within the game. He just knows the moments of when, of when we need certain things. Um, and I think that's an incredible attribute to have. I'm Tom Curry and I play for Sale Sharks in England. I would describe Danny Kerr on the pitch as very quirky and very mouthy, <laughs> for sure, to play against. Um, and then off the pitch, very funny. 
and very smooth. Like, he can talk to anyone about anything. He's, he's a smooth talker. I think the role of a scrum half has developed an awful lot. You could almost back in the in my when I was starting be the the fly half would be the controller, and then I would could probably be a little bit of a maverick and go off and do your own thing. But I think the last 12, 10 years have been the nines need to really take control of teams. So I think off the pitch again, learning more about the game. Before I was quite an instinctive player and just backed that and trusted that. Whereas as I got older, I realised I need to be better than that. I need to be more than that. So I spend more time watching other players play, other teams. With time and growing older, I've definitely learned a lot more about my body. I know what I need to, to get myself right to, to be able to help the team in the weekend and perform. And you have to make better decisions on the pitch, being, being one of the leaders and one of the oldest guys, if not the oldest in some teams. You have to be the one they look to when things go bad because you've probably seen more than everyone else so they, people look to you so I quite enjoy being being that guy now I never thought I would enjoy being the older one but I love having that role and trying to help out uh, younger lads tell them the things not to do probably more than the things to do Yeah I've been in and out of England teams a lot every time you go out you realise how much it means to you you have to work incredibly hard to get back in because once you're out, people think you're out for a reason and you have to fight your way back. And once you're in, everyone is climbing for people to, to get ahead of you anyway. So you have to be resilient. You have to be able to take the rough with the smooth. I think rugby is a, the biggest emotional roller coaster I could I could explain to you. And I think coming back into to this group and this this coach and setup has been like I'm the it's my first day again. I've loved it. I feel like I'm learning new things every day with from these coaches, which at 36, I don't know if many people would. They're brilliant, they leave no stone unturned. The detail's incredible. The harmony in the squad, I feel like it's one of the best I've ever been, been a part of. And there's definitely winners in this group, whether it's now or whether it's in a few years time, this group I think could, could be really special for English rugby. We're obviously all hoping, desperate that it's that it's this year. We're going to do everything we can to make it happen because I really believe in this group and this set of coaches. The hard thing about rugby is I think it's it's a bit like a drug, especially international rugby. Like you want it more and more. You get a taste for it and you want it again and again. And that's what's hard when you're not in it because it's it's horrible to watch a team that you want to be playing in or you maybe feel like you should be playing in. I'm hoping that I get another opportunity soon to wear that England shirt again. And if I do, I'll I'll give it everything because it might be it might be the last time this 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 time. So um whatever I can do to help this team win some games and I'll give it my all. When Steve called me, I remember my son had my phone, he ran upstairs and he's he's going, Dad, you probably want to answer that. I was like, okay, yeah, give me give me the phone. And yeah, when he said, look, do you want to come in and try and fight for a place? And I was like, absolutely, yes. I've always said if, if an England coach ever asks you to come and try and play for his team, you say yes. So I feel like I still can give something to this team and I'm working my hardest to try and make people proud.